please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In recent years, there's been a lot of attention given to the importance of being well hydrated. More and more, it's part of our culture for people to carry their water bottles with them everywhere. Everyone from Western doctors to acupuncturists remind us that our bodies need to be well hydrated in order to function at their best. Part of the message is this. If you find that you are feeling thirsty, you have already waited too long to drink. Once you get to the point of feeling actual physical thirst, you're probably already a bit dehydrated. Our body's awareness lags a bit behind our body's need. And so it is with our spirits. The prophet Isaiah says, Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. We humans must really need to be reminded to return to God. We humans must really need to be called to account, called to notice the ways that we have strayed off course. I think we must really need this based on how often the Bible repeats this theme. On the first Sunday in Lent, it was the story of Jesus being tempted by the devil, a story that reminds us of a whole variety of ways that we ourselves are tempted to turn toward things other than God. We are tempted to turn toward the bodily comfort of bread, the status of power over empires, or the hope of superhero abilities to set us apart from ordinary human beings. This week, the prophet Isaiah points out that we often spend our money on things that do not sustain us. Spend money for that which is not bread. The prophet Isaiah points out that we labor for that which does not satisfy. And next week, we'll hear the story of the prodigal son who went off chasing adventure or chasing dreams and found himself instead at the end of a dead-end road. These examples are all from the scriptures on the church's lectionary calendar of readings for Lent this year. If we were to expand beyond this season and this year, we would find countless more scriptures reinforcing the same theme. People get off course. People go astray. There are many options in this world, many temptations and distractions that will cry for our attention and our time and our energy. But in the face of a world of distractions and in the face of a humanity who easily veers off course, God continually calls us back. In my experience, it begins in the most benign ways. I don't think we mostly start out with the intention of behaving defiantly toward God. Instead, it starts with our schedules. I have the best intentions of spending time in prayer or meditation or study each day. But then my morning gets off to a slow start. Some element of pet care takes more time than I planned. There's a higher than usual volume of new posts on Facebook to catch up on. 
I don't like what we have for breakfast at home, so I decide I need to stop at Pete's for a scone. Whatever it might be, it's just benign little things. Nothing bad, nothing harmful, certainly nothing I would label sin. And then time gets away from me, and some task or meeting or appointment calls urgently, so I put off prayer or meditation or study and tell myself I can get to it later. I'm probably not even feeling thirsty just yet. But of course, my days are full, as they are for many of you. There are tasks and people, and sometimes just flat-out distractions. And somehow I don't get around to that prayer or meditation or study. Another day draws to a close, and the end of the day finds me too tired to focus on reading, too unsettled to sit still in meditation. And after all, I'm not feeling thirsty yet. So instead, there's a TV show or a sweet treat. Turning away from God is the last thing I would intend, and I'm guessing that's true for most of us. Instead, it happens in the most benign and ordinary ways. Corporate leadership and management articles are full of advice about this very thing. They urge leaders to discipline themselves, to focus on what is most important and not what is most urgent. What is most urgent is that thing that is staring you in the face right now, the squeaky wheel that conventional wisdom says must get the grease. What's most important can be life-changing, can lay the groundwork for fruitful work, work that is satisfying. I titled this sermon Distractions and have said that those things that pull us, pull us off course are distractions, but that isn't really fair. These things that are urgent, but maybe not important, are often much more than distractions. Life makes a lot of demands on us, and they can indeed require urgent attention. But the risk of these urgent things, these things that are much more than distractions, is that they can truly pull us away from what is most important. What's most important can be life-changing, can lay the groundwork for a life that is satisfying. But what's most important may never rise to the level of the squeaky wheel. What's most important often waits patiently in the background. It's not going away, so we lull ourselves into believing that we can always attend to it later. Think again about my examples. Prayer and meditation and study are never urgent. And they might not seem to be all that important either. After all, what do they accomplish? At the end of the day, what can you say you have accomplished? Things like prayer and meditation can even seem self-indulgent, especially in the face of all that the world needs, all the tangible needs that require our response. So maybe prayer or meditation or study are not that important. It might take some weeks before we realize how thirsty we are. I've been talking about prayer and meditation and study, but you may need to insert some other word or activity 
or investment of time here? What is your best way of spending time with God? What do you know about what for you is bread? In other words, what is life-giving? What do you know about that which does satisfy? In other words, that which gives your life real meaning and purpose. What for you are investments of money or labor that will not leave you thirsty? What's most important can be life-changing, can lay the groundwork for a life that is full of meaning and purpose. But what's most important may never rise to the level of the squeaky wheel. What's most important often waits patiently in the background. It's not going away, so we lull ourselves again and again into believing we can always attend to it later. It might take some weeks before we realize how thirsty we are. And then the prophet Isaiah comes along and reminds us that we have spent our money on that which is not bread and our labor for that which does not satisfy. We have invested in things that distract us from what is most important. We have spent our money on that which does not sustain life. We have labored long and hard, and find that meaning and purpose are elusive. Apparently, some version of this dilemma is part of the human condition. And based on finding it articulated in the Hebrew scriptures, it has been a part of the human condition for millennia. It can seem a bleak picture, especially for those of us who recognize ourselves in this picture of being pulled astray by any of the many distractions life has to offer. But there is good news. The good news is found in the full context of the Isaiah passage, the full context that surrounds this call to awareness of how we have misspent our money and our labor. The dilemma of straying from the path of what matters is introduced here with a reminder of God's grace. God gives freely this vigorous invitation to everyone who thirsts to come to the water. Come to the water, you are invited, everyone. The invitation to come to the water and the invitation to come, buy, and eat. Only it isn't really buying because the invitation is to those who have no money. Come, there is plenty to drink, plenty to eat, and it is free. The images of grace continue, wine and milk without price. God extends a robust reminder and image of God's grace and then reminds us that we are on the wrong path, spending money for that which does not sustain life, spending energy or labor for that which does not have purpose and meaning. And then, as the passage goes on, another invitation. Listen. God repeats this invitation three times. Listen, incline your ear, listen. The invitation to listen is the invitation to spend time with God in whatever way is the best way for you to spend time with God. Because it is by investing this time, this listening, that we remember what is 
bread in our lives? What is life-giving? It is by investing this time, this listening, that we remember how our labor truly can satisfy. Remember what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. So God, speaking here through the prophet Isaiah, invites us to listen. But that's not the end of the invitation. The full invitation is to return to our covenant relationship with God. That covenant which is the foundation of our identity as God's beloved children. Isaiah characterizes the covenant as God's steadfast, sure love for David. Here, as in much of the Hebrew scriptures, David is a symbol for Israel, which in Isaiah's context would have been understood to mean God's chosen people. Today we understand that all people are God's beloved. All people are God's people. So the covenant with God is characterized by God's steadfast, sure love for all people. And the invitation to this covenant relationship, the invitation to return to God, is an invitation to live. God invites us into an abundant life, characterized by meaning and purpose far beyond the distractions and demands that can sidetrack us. Lent is often a season of intensified spiritual practice. One Christian spiritual practice that comes out of the Ignatian or Jesuit traditions is called the examine. You'll have an opportunity actually in the Easter season to participate in a small group that introduces us to the practice of the examine, among other things. The examine is a daily practice of time spent with God reviewing our day asking ourselves questions. Perhaps an examine that helps us answer Isaiah's call would look something like this. To sit quietly at the end of the day with a commitment to listen to God and invite God's presence, and then to ask ourselves, how did I spend my money today on bread? Or in other words, how did I spend my money on things that are life-giving? How did I spend my labor today on that which does satisfy? In other words, how did I spend my time and energy and effort on things that give me a real sense of meaning and purpose? Uh, if you're interested in actually considering this as a practice in this season. My sermons always are on the website and you can find the questions if you're interested in following those questions. So this practice of an examine is a time to ask the questions, to reflect on your answers, to ponder, maybe even write some of your responses, to hold that as time with God and to pray in response to your reflections, in response to what you observe about your day or your time. You might ask God for help where you feel like you have fallen short or where things have not gone as you had hoped. You might express gratitude for those places where you look back over your day and find that you did invest in what is life-giving and what gives meaning. God, through Isaiah, pleads with us to spend our money on bread 
and our labor on that which satisfies. God invites us to return to God and renew our covenant relationship with God, a covenant that invites us into lives full of meaning and purpose. God invites us to turn away from distractions and turn toward that which is truly life-giving. It is an invitation that deserves our attention in this season of Lent and at all times. Will you answer God's call to listen? Will you turn again toward God? Amen.